What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by FMF and, of course, Sickwicks Soy Candles. If you haven't already checked out sickwicks.com, they're actually having a clearance sale right now. All of their fall candles must go. Yes, this podcast is sponsored by a candle company. Put them in your garage, put them in your living room, put them in your bedroom, but don't tell me about it. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with me on the line. One of my favorite people in the industry of motocross. I've eaten many a chicken wings with this man. I've enjoyed many many of frosty beverages with him as well. We swap stories, we swap laughs, and every once in a while we share a rental car. His name is Dave Derringer, and he is Mr. Sano MX. He's also Mr. MX Culture. Dave, how's it going? Good, man. Good. I've uh, been looking forward to this. We've talked about it for a while. So yes. Good to a long time coming, too long coming. I finally called you up randomly. I actually randomly texted you. Neither of us had uh, each other saved in our phones properly, which kind of speaks volumes to how good of friends we are. Um, right. But uh, um, we've like literally, hey, let's do it. Let's finally do the podcast. You're like, how about tonight? I said, why not? It's uh, just about the 10 o'clock hour on a Tuesday evening, and I can't think of anything better than to basically reaccount the history that is or was uh, pit bike racing and pit bikes in general, specifically the Sano pit bike brand, a brand that took the motocross industry by storm. Of course, everyone who watched the, the 50 nuts videos from the, from the past and all of the terra firmas that had uh, mini bikes in them and stuff like that. There was a mini bike craze through the early 2000s all the way through the, the, the 2000s that would basically anyone who's everyone had a mini bike, had a pit bike. And uh, so that's that, like, uh, we're going to have you on a number of podcasts over the year. Uh, but this one's going to be directed mainly at uh, like Sano MX, uh, Sano motorcycles to begin with, and and also you're involved with it because uh, you had a big part in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a fun fun time of my life, and I met a million people because of it, and made a few bucks. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I love talking about it. Um, people still ask me about it these days at the races and the vets I go to. So uh, I have one business card in my wallet, a Sano business card, um, and show people sometimes if the subject gets brought up, I'm like, you ever heard of Sano Systems? And and they'll be like, yeah, yeah. And I pull out my card and uh, that one card, you should see it, it's beat up pretty bad, <laughs> but I have one. I take it with me everywhere and just show people. They're like, no way, that was you? Oh, no way. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, they they swept the nation. Uh, they were basically the gold standard when it came to uh, pit bikes and just the products that they that they had with them. And uh, like, if, if if you had a pit bike, you wanted to have a Sano Systems pit bike. Um, so, how did that sort of the where's the brainchild from that begin? How does it evolve? And how does it eventually grip the motocross industry? Uh, like no other, and basically become that, like I said, that gold standard that was basically all of the pit bikes were judged. Sure, sure. Um, in my opinion, it started with the Krusty video. I don't, I don't remember which one where Denny and Budman and Fro are all riding 
pit bikes and banging around that that clip is only a couple minutes long but i to me that's where it kind of really got going um so i met a kid um at redbud in 02 i think it was named ken johnson he was traveling with roger larson who's now the guy the main guy from seven okay but, yeah. Uh, yeah but roger and i were pretty roger. tight roger was yeah, yeah roger correct he was working on the tv show at the time he was like a spotter and help them with the TV show. Um, he actually started MX culture on a side note and I bought it from him oh, okay. way down the road. But, uh, so Ken was with Roger, met him. I think we had dinner down in South Bend that night and kind of went our separate ways after the event. Well, a few months later, Roger calls me and goes, Hey, you remember that guy, Ken, he was at Redbud with me. He's got this uh, company called Stano racing and he's looking for an investor. And Roger always knew that I was kind of, you know, wanted to get, I was in the industry for a long time, but I kind of wanted to have my own little project or something yeah. like that, you know. For those who don't know that you've been master of ceremonies, announcer, uh, rep, uh, you, you, you've held a ton of different uh, um, positions in the industry over the years. And, and maybe we'll get into that on a different podcast, but you, you've definitely uh, held down some spots over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Done uh, sales reps and announcer, and I wrote for Cycle News for uh, about 17 years as a freelance guy. I just actually put that on my Instagram just a few minutes ago. So, oh, nice. uh, so yeah, uh, been in the industry, and then, but I always wanted my own little project, you know. And uh, so he says, this Ken guy has this thing called Sano Racing. Go check out the website SanoRacing.com. And I jumped on it, and he had like five or six parts for CRF 50s. And I was like, and it, but it had a cool name, a uh, cool website, and I've seen some of the parts, and I'm like, this is it. This is it for sure. But I told Roger and I told Ken, I don't want to invest. I want to buy it So because I wanted to own it. And Ken's like, no, no, no. I need an investor. I want an investor. No, no, no. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. So we went back and forth for probably about six months. And one day he finally buckled and he's like, all right, I'll sell it to you. But I want to stay involved. I want to be involved. And I'm like, well, I want you to be on because you know this stuff better than I do. Yeah. And like as an like, advisor. Yeah, totally. Advisor and almost, you know, yeah, director and helped me get these parts made. And he was just in living in San Diego in SoCal where the scene was. I was out of Chicago. Uh, so a little bit out of touch with, you know, I'm, super in touch with moto but you know to be day-to-day in chicago versus socal you know it's 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 a different deal so right. uh so so eventually we worked out some numbers i bought it for about 35 grand from him paid him for uh paid him for uh you know everything he had which was not a lot and we went out to uh flew out to san diego a bunch Stayed in hotels, stayed in friends' couches, and we found a building eventually, a little uh, little unit in Santee, and we just started running with it. And it was, dude, it was overnight once we once we got the parts out and the clamps and the handlebars and the forks that we made from the uh, bombshell forks, right? And graphics and t-shirts it was overnight success and i was just blown away uh, by it our first trade show was indie trade show in 03 so it's you know maybe eight nine months later and uh, we set up a booth up in indy 
Um, and, you know, the first day was a little slow. And the second day, this guy goes, I want to place an order. I live in Europe. And how do I get it? And what do we do? And we all kind of looked at each other. And we, we didn't even have a pen or paper. We didn't have a price list. We didn't have anything. We were so kind of just winging it like, hey, let's show our stuff off, but not thinking that we were going to get an order. And we left there with a couple orders. Um, Ken ran out, I think, and got some pens and a notepad. And, you know, we were all kind of young and just naive. And, uh, you know, next thing, next thing you know, these dealers are calling us and emailing us, and I want your stuff, and I want this. And I was just like, this is almost too much too fast. It was ridiculous how, how crazy it went. And uh, I put I just kept putting money into it and buying more product and buying more product. And our sales were through the roof. Um, we had a designer, one of uh, Ken's buddies in uh, El Cajon. He worked for the company um, that made the graphics for One Industries and um, – all these other companies. I'm trying to think of the name of that company. What was that called? Pros. Who made Pros Choice numbers? Uh, I don't know. Either way, it was uh, Decal Corey Works. Becker. No, it wasn't Decal's out here in Illinois. Okay. Um, uh, Pro. Ah, it's slipping my tongue, but they're still around. Um, but Corey Bender was a designer there, and Ken says, "Hey, this guy's got a." work on our stuff and make us a logo and uh, you know we'd go over there and sit down with him and he designed us that sweet logo that you now see um and well you probably don't see it anymore <laughs> but oh the, the sano the sano logo is still like really recognizable if someone was like even just to throw it like a, as a throwback through it on their graphics i think people would know what it is right away sure sure and that's when i pull out my business cards they're like oh yeah yeah okay so that's why I kind of keep it in the wallet. But, um, you know, it started at Sano Racing. And I've never been a fan of companies that call themselves racing, like this so-and-so racing and this and that racing. Even though I'm into racing and love it more than anything, I didn't like that name, that moniker, I should say. Yeah, at the end of a that company. it had to be racing. Like, oh, if I'm not racing, it's not for me sort of thing. Correct, correct. I just don't like that as a business name. So. You know, that's kind of when One Industries was coming on, and I was like, I'm not, definitely not doing Sano Industries. But I told Ken, I'm going to change it. And I came up with Sano Designs, and I started printing some T-shirts and doing some stuff, and Ken's like, no, no, that's no good. And I kind of stepped back and looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, that's not right. So I did a Sano Series because there was a truck company in El Cajon a four-wheel company called uh, PG Series, and it was right across the street from In-N-Out, and we'd go there all the time to eat, and I'm like, that's it, Sano Series. So we'll do series of uh, series of uh, products and stuff like this. And Ken's like, no, systems. I already have the System 1 clamp, the System 2 clamp, and the I System like 11 for For KLX, I have the System 11 clamp, and I'm like, that's it, dude, Sano Systems. That is it. So we took it over to Kent, um, to Corey and said, Sano Systems is our new uh, is our new name. And he designed us this logo. And I was just blown away. I was like, that is it right there. It's so awesome. I love that logo. Still to this day, I love it. And um, we just went from there, graphics and T-shirts. And uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I could go on and on and on. One day we're at 
So this is 10 years later. We're at, uh, man, maybe not that long, maybe five years later, we're at Indie Trade Show. And the guy from BBR comes up and he goes, who's your marketing guy? Like, who do you guys pay to do your marketing? Or what company does your marketing? And I go, I do it. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, dude, your T-shirts, your graphics, we don't do any of that stuff. You guys are killing it. It's so awesome. And I go, Dwayne, I have a, a logo for you right now. I go, he's all, what is it? I go, BBR me ASAP. Have you heard of Taps Blue Ribbon, PBR me ASAP? It's their logo. And I go, Let's, you should do BBR me ASAP. And he, he didn't, I don't think he knew what Paps Blue Ribbon was. No. The logo. So he's like, oh, okay. But to me, was that was Carson like, Brown's that's... old man? Because he's just like the nicest guy in the world. And that's like, that, that's Correct. the connection. Totally, it is. Carson's that's funny. dad is Wayne Brown. And then there was, uh, there still is, I should say. There's three brothers. I forget all of them. They're great guys. You know, at the time. Just super me, genuine, they're, though. They're almost too nice for business. They're awesome. They're awesome. North, North, um, Northwest guys up near Seattle and uh, good people. I actually just met Carson last year at, uh, I think it was Oakland. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting them all the time at Supercross. So it's pretty cool. But a uh, small world there. But yeah, so, um, you know, the graphics and the, and the stickers and the um, T-shirts and stuff was something that some of the other pit bike companies weren't doing. They were just focusing on hard parts. And I kind of wanted it more of a, you know, I wanted to market the company, make it a marketing company and image. And, you know, I think because of that, we got a million people that called us and wanted to be involved. Um, I helped everyone from, you know, Chad Reed to Twitch to Renner to, um, you know, every Supercross arena cross guy I knew was running Sano. In fact, uh, Reed, ran his, uh, in 04, he's on the cover of the Supercross program, and he's got a Stano sticker on his helmet. Um, he's in some Scott Goggle ads. I have all of these magazines still to this day, and there's a huge Stano logo on it. I think that one right there was one of the, the bigger things that got us on the map uh, nationally and worldwide was Chad running those, uh, some of those Stano stickers on his helmet, and that was the year he won the championship too. So Right. He didn't, I don't think he ran it the whole year, but at the beginning of the year, um, he did. And, uh, like I said, he, he made quite a few magazines and stuff like that. So I think that was huge exposure. Um, there was a pit bike track, uh, Randy Fredrickson owned just up the road from, uh, Sano and, and everyone rode over there. Big name guys. Um, I didn't have McGrath cause he was a, uh, uh, BBR guy. Um, Ricky was a BBR guy, but I had a ton of guys. James was a two, two brothers guy, but we sold our forks to two brothers. So they, a lot of guys ran Sano forks, even though I didn't sponsor them, two brothers did. So there was Sano on a lot of other guys' bikes too. So it was, uh, like you say, man, just an amazing era. And, um, you know, I've kept documentation of everything, uh, on my computer, I've just loaded hard drives of, uh, photos and images and i have every catalog i think we did five catalogs total in over the uh about 10 years that we really really were in business i kept all those and every magazine ad we've ever done i have either, either on paper or online or in, on the computer you know what i mean so someday i'll make a big 
you know, collage of it. I have a Sano Systems inter- Instagram, if anyone wants to check that out, at Sano Systems. Um, I've kind of backed off on it a little bit lately. Uh, I do want to keep her going, but I try to post pictures up on Sano Systems Instagram and uh, try to keep that uh, going. But, you know, I could keep going and going and going. I'm sure we, we will talk about it. I just don't even know which direction to go because it was well, such an awesome. Uh, yeah, well, like this, this is something that kind of swept the the industry, not in the nation, the whole industry. It was worldwide. Every every local guy needed to have a pit bike. Every every factory pro needed to have a pit bike. I can only think of how many uh, how many times a pit bike was uh, gifted as uh, as like a championship thing. Everyone remembers uh, James Stewart having it. Was I think it was the two brothers, uh, all gold. Yep pit bike that uh that was that was given out of course your uh forks were on that thing um how did the product uh sort of like well, i think the next kind of direction we should go is uh how did the, the product that you guys uh produced how did that kind of de- get developed like at some point you guys had like full-blown uh engine cradles and f- and frame modifications for the honda 50s um swing arms that you guys were promoting uh forks the whole nine yards you guys really had some cool stuff that were getting bolted onto not only the uh, the the CR50 but also uh, the the Kawasaki KLX110. Yeah, so a lot of that was Ken, um, who my par- I'll call him my partner. Uh, he had a small stake in it once I bought him out, and he uh, rode them, he raced them, and he was totally in tune with that little industry and that segment. So he would come to me and go, "Hey, we need to make a frame." We need to make a, a stronger frame, number one, because the stock frame for the CRF sucks. It bends. As soon as you jump it once, the thing bends like butter. And uh, we need to make a stronger frame. So we make a stronger frame out of chromoly. And uh, <clears throat> like two, like a version later, he goes, we need to make it an inch longer up in the head area because that will give guys more knee room. Right. And I was like, huh, that is. So that was like version, you know, frame two or three. Then he comes to me and goes, hey, we need to put a little riser where the gas tank is and where the seat is, just built it into the frame. So it's uh, one company had a lift kit for, for these bikes, but it looks so stupid because it, you know, it raised the, the seat and the gas tank off, off of the frame. But Ken incorporated that into a frame and said, let's just put, a, I don't think it was even an inch, it was maybe half an inch, three quarters of an inch. We should actually, we should have had him on the show too, but... Um, and I was, every time he came to me, uh, you know, most of honestly, I a lot of the time I'd be like, no, no, no. And then he'd explain why or how or what, or what someone else is doing. And I'd be like, oh, you're right. Okay. So, you know, he'd probably, he's probably laughing right now. Damn it. I told you so, but, uh, I shot him down a ton, but he was, he was right on a lot of stuff. So he came to me with a one inch longer swing arm. Then we went to a two inch longer swing arm, which became the standard. Uh, that one-inch frame became the standard. Everyone, uh, you know, copied a ton of our parts. Now, I'll never say we were first to market because Fast 50s was there before us. Right. And uh, But he had a fully just a different image. Um, uh, what's his name up in, uh, in NorCal? God, everyone's slipping my, uh, my mind right now. But uh, Fast 50s uh, was definitely around before us. Uh, and Ken took some ideas from him, and uh, we we ran with some of those. But then 
com- other companies came along and did the same to us, um, such as Red Baron, who I hated, hated, hated. But now <laughs> we, um, we became we became friends later in the uh, business cycle, and now we're um, pretty good friends. Just you know, now that we're kind of both out of it as well. So uh, I was mad at them because they they honestly knocked a ton of our stuff off, but, uh, and he he would go to um, China with a lot of that stuff where really I kept yeah we kept everything in America everything except the fork the bombshell fork every aluminum part every frame every swing arm was made in America and I paid more money than all of these other companies to get this stuff made but the quality was better as well I never ever had a return frame I never had a return swing arm to this day um, our clamps never saw, I never saw a broken, uh, clamp. I never saw any broken foot pegs, which were aluminum. I never had a foot peg mount bend. Uh, we made stronger foot peg mounts, uh, out of chromoly. Those stuck out a hair. I think there were maybe three quarters on each side. So it gave you a little more foot room. That was another Ken idea that I would have never thought of. Um, the only one product that I came up with myself was the dress up kit. If you recall that it was four little pieces that you bolt onto your motor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, looking at it right now. Yeah. 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 We had those anodized in first in red and they sold out the minute we brought them out. So I said, let's do black and those sold out. And then we had a, we were on a blue kick for a while. Um, some of my buddies racing supercross, Ryan Clark. Chad Reed, they wanted Yamaha replica CRF50s, so we did a, a little blue kick for a while. Those sold out. We re-ran those things over and over. That's the one product that I actually came out with was the uh, engine dress-up kit. And then after that, again, all these companies started uh, copying that. You know, they they put a different flavor, you know, you know their logos or whatever on it, but they were all the same dress-up kits. So that was the one thing I developed. Or the graphics too. I sat down with the designer and said, "Tweak this or tweak that," and the T-shirts. But all the hard parts was pretty much Ken Johnson and the guy in San Diego that made it for us, Billetware. His name was John Rogozinski. We just called him Rogo, and uh, he was down there at Chula Vista, and we spent there a lot of time at his place, um, designing parts and making parts and picking up parts that he would make for us. And, we were doing, uh, you know, 100 pieces at the beginning, and uh, at the end, we were doing 250 frames at a time, 100 frames at a time. We did 500, a run of 500 bombshell forks one time as well. It was just, that's how crazy the market became, uh, that I could do 500 forks at one, one purchase order was for 500 forks, which still to this day just blows me away, but... Uh, the numbers just kept growing and growing every time we did a purchase order. Uh, we did 300 KLX skid plates one time, um, and on and on and on. But Ken was the guy that really came up with the ideas and the designs, or he'd see something and he'd tweak it. Hey, let's make this longer. Let's make this taller. Let's make these pegs uh, stick out a little farther. Um, and I just he would take it to me, and I'd say yes but I want the logo on the front of the pegs right there. And they'd, they'd uh, you know, engrave the logo into the pegs after we anodized them. And 
you know, every time you saw a picture of a guy jumping and he had pegs, you'd see the Sano logo. So it was, that was my end of the business really was the marketing and uh, strategy and stuff like that. So, you know, if you saw a picture of a kid on a pit bike, chances were you were going to see a Sano logo somewhere on that bike, whether it was a chain guide or a handlebar. There was nothing we did not put a Sano logo on. It was, it was fun. Fair enough. So how did this sort of really take hold, though? I guess that that's sort of where you come in as far as the marketing side of it. Um, but also just pit bikes in general gripping the motocross industry about as hard as anything ever has in through those years that was just so uh, infectious. Like I said, from local uh, races all the way to like like their pit bike racing used to get a pretty decent little bit of coverage in some of these uh, some publications like Racer X and, and Transworld and stuff like that, they do a full feature on uh, uh, like guys like Eric Sorby and uh, David Pingery and, and they, all these guys racing these things. And I, I think uh, uh, Michael Blos was actually extremely good at it for whatever reason. Uh, maybe short guys uh, were, were sort of uh, gravitated to it because they still almost damn fit the things after uh, the appropriate... Uh, frame swing arm and uh and handlebars were implemented like why did this take hold of guys like chad reed why would why does chad reed want to ride a miniature motorcycle yeah that's a good question but you know i like i said i think that crusty video in my opinion for my eyes that crusty when they're riding in that backyard the guys were just no helmets smashing in each other talking crap to each other um and it's just like a it's Still, you're still riding motorcycles, but it's not for money. It's uh, safer because you're low to the ground. It's cheaper because they're so damn small and they're made for kids. You know what I mean? So there's a combination of things. But um, and and like I said, I thought the crusty was the thing. But Ken comes to me one day. This is early, early on, first year, '03, and he goes, "Dude, this kid sent me this video, and you gotta check it out." It's uh, this, this kid riding up in the hills. So I, I check it out, and I'm like, whoa, that's pretty cool. It's not a full-blown video. It's just like some clips that he just sent us. And I don't even know why. But we, I said, that, that's awesome. That is awesome. We need to talk to this guy. Let's, we need to release a video. Let's do this. So we drive up to, like, Calabasas, which from... You know, we were in San Diego at the time. It was a hell of a hike. It was probably a three, four-hour drive. And we meet this kid at a, you know, I don't even know. I think it was a McDonald's or a Burger King or whatever. In and out. Might have been in and out. And, uh, and he busts out his laptop, and he plays this video for us that he had. By now, he had strung some clips together. And he shows us this video that's in design, in production. And I go, whoa, this is, this is amazing. This is awesome. I said, here's what I want to do, dude. I want to buy either the rights or the, you know, your idea, or I want to be, I want this to be a Sano only video. And he goes, okay, like, all right, yeah. And I go, you're, I'm going to get you some Sano stuff, do some more filming, let's get some more, uh, you know, some more content. Just go do your thing. Well, a couple months later, he comes back. He goes, hey, this thing's done, and check it out. And we watched it again, and we're just like, whoa. Well, he 
forget who came up with the name, but we they called it we called it they called it third gear pin. And if you recall that one, it's one of the early, early, early videos. And I said I want that to be a Santa only video. And if you go look at the box or the DVD now, um, it's the only I'm pretty sure the only logo on there is the Santa logo. But it's third gear pin, and it's Chris Clark and Chris Skinner, and they were kind of up in that Simi Valley, uh, that kind of north. Los Angeles area, um, and they were just doing crazy stunts on their on their CRF50s that really had no, not a lot of panel parts back in the day. They were just doing it on stalkers, and we started selling that video and releasing that video and putting it out. And to me, in my again opinion, I really think that was a huge, huge part of the Sano, or excuse me, the pit bike fad that really got it going. Now, you know, yes, another guy at Fast 50s or whatever, and they'll probably have a different opinion. But once that video came out, our business exploded, and that's honestly when the boom started. And, and early, late, late 03, early 04, it started really going. And uh, I attribute our business and the pit bike industry to that movie, Third Year Pin. I still have about 20 vhs left so if you ever want one or anyone oh yeah sign me up for those i need uh you can you can put that in an envelope with some mx cultured stickers uh mx culture stickers and uh and just send that on up to uh north dakota i'll pick it up at the border no problem done give me that address later so i have about i have at least a box of those i might have two boxes actually but if anyone wants one of those third gear pinned vhs not even dvds vhs i still no one's buying them but I will uh, ship them out and get them out to you. So uh, contact me on, uh, for, you know, I uh, do Instagram at MX Culture. No, That's they should contact you through the Sano Systems uh, <laughs> Instagram. I'm just, I'm honestly, Brad, I'm not on that Sano one where, you know. I'm I know, I'm bugging one. But they can. You can message me on uh, on uh, Sano Systems Instagram, MX Culture Instagram as well, and we will... Uh, get you one one way or another uh, if you're in the midwest i'll probably just meet you somewhere out here and just hand it to you but <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to spend the time on just mailing these things out for free but uh i will get them to who wants them so uh yeah so that video i think really really got the, the thing going and then after that all these new videos kept uh kept coming out fad and uh 50 nuts 50 Nuts was actually later down the line. That one gets referred to a lot. but it Yeah, was, uh, that's like 06, 07. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's a couple of years later. But, uh, um, man, that really started it. And these guys had a little cult following in Skinner and Chris Clark. And they started a little freestyle team. So it was the Sano freestyle team. And I got a van. Uh, just a Ford van, and I threw some big old Sano stickers on it back then. And they were just die cuts, you know. We just made some huge ones. And, yeah, you make massive ones uh, and just stick them on. Yeah, they started getting gigs for jumping and doing uh, little shows. And I said, "Here, take this truck, uh, take this van, and go do your shows, and take boxes of catalogs and pass these out and business cards." And they started going, and they started making a few bucks, and kids started recognizing because they were in this video and. Uh, we did a show in San Diego, I remember, and it was huge, huge, huge. And then we did a show at the Del Mar Fairgrounds where Ken helped put on a 
uh, pit bike race inside of the arena at the fair. And that ran for four or five years, and that became a yearly race. And then Minimoto came up, and that was in 04, in May of 04, the day before the finals of Supercross. And we went there, I went there unknowingly. We just built uh, Tommy Hoffmaster a bike. His brother, Dean, worked for me at Sano in SoCal. He pretty much ran the show. And uh, Tommy ended up winning the first ever Minimoto SX. He passed uh, Guy uh, Pingree, Guy Cooper, and then McGrath on, I think, the last lap or the second to last lap. And he won. And we went there, like, not even knowing anything about, you know, we were just winging it, honestly. So uh, we ended up winning the first ever mini moto with Tommy Hoffmaster. And uh, the next year it became a national championship and they handed out number one plates. So to this day, Tommy won the title, but he never got a number one plate or an AMA recognition. <laughs> he never got recognized by AMA because of course. they did a big follow. So, <laughs> so we won that and then we went to the 05 mini moto. I'm sorry I'm going all over the place, Not. but... Just, I'm just go wild, man. As I think of things, I just, I just keep going. So, um, so 05, we go to Minimoto with the number one plate. I put a big number one on his bike. I make this awesome Fly jersey. He was sponsored by Fly because he was racing uh, for Moto World Suzuki that year. Make a number one jersey. and You know, I went in there really, really cocky. Like, oh, I, I bought a, fun, a used fun mover. Uh, and put some uh, half wrapped that thing, and I bought a tent at twenty by ten by twenty easy up, and big Sano easy up, and we had graphics that all matched, and I had ten twenty riders under the under the tent. I'm just walking around like, yeah, I'm the shit. I got the number one place. Tommy got last place, <laughs> pretty close to last place that night, and that really humbled me and opened my eyes. Like, okay, we got a lot of work to do here if we ever want to win this event. So. It was an eye opener uh, after the event, but going in, I was I was pretty cocky and uh, and thought I was the, the shit for sure. But uh, oh well, slap in the face, you know. <laughs> for sure, and so maybe we can talk a little bit about your competitors a little bit because this stuff, uh, like obviously you, you're making stuff for Honda fifties, uh, so a lot of the stuff you're basically like uh, basically improving on. Uh, a design that's already been created. A lot of those materials were a little bit too soft, too weak to be uh, getting tossed uh, the way you guys were uh, were sending it, or some of your athletes were sending it. Um, but uh, from there, like, what was sort of the uh, the the landscape like? Uh, you mentioned uh, like Red Baron and, and and other brands like that, to sort of uh, doing some copycatting and uh, and making that market not only pretty saturated but pretty competitive at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, they some of these companies would go overseas, so they'd have the same exact part, but uh, you know it'd be cheaper, and and then they started marketing their stuff with a cheaper price. So I started seeing our numbers slip a little bit, but you know I always just believed in the Sano Systems brand, the Sano image, uh, our marketing and our quality because to still to that day, I had not seen any, you know, stuff wasn't breaking because it was American made. And some people were like, Hey, why don't you get stuff made in China? Why don't you get stuff made overseas? And I just, I was holding out and holding out and holding out like, no way, man, I want to be, we want to be the quality, the clean, the cool, you know, for a lot of people out there that don't know what Sano means, it's an old slang word 
um, came from Hawaii. It's like a surfing slang where you're like cool, trick, rad, sanitary. That's kind of where it really came from, the sanitary. Sano, man, that, that surfboard is Sano. That, uh, that car you're driving is Sano. That thing is clean. That is cool. That is trick. That is awesome. You know what I mean? So um, that's where that came from, Sano, cool, uh, you know, cool pit bike parts is basically kind of the, what it really means. But um, And I wanted to keep that uh, image um, quality and USA-made. And, you know, I think it, it, in the long, in the long run, it hurt us because my, I kept our prices pretty high and, uh, a lot of these guys under cut us and could make more parts for less money and then sold them for less. So that and the influx of, uh, eventually of Chinese bikes, the SDG came out and then the, the SSR came out, and the, this, that, and the next thing came out, and that origi- uh, eventually would hurt us. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to keep keep the quality name. I wanted Sano to, to stand for quality and and uh, you know good parts. And and to a lot of people, you know that meant something. But to a lot of people, when you're shopping, you know, do you go to Walmart or do you go to uh, you know, the expensive store down the street, you know, even I shop at Walmart sometimes and, uh, cause I want to, I'm a cheap guy. And I want to save a buck. So that's, you know, it's America and free enterprise and how things work. And I don't know if I was to do it again. I don't know if I'd do it, go to China and sell out to that or not, but, uh, it definitely, it, it took a toll on the business for sure. So, you know, there were, I couldn't even remember all of the companies, but there were little companies, PAX racing, um, LaHaye, this kid Josh LaHaye started his own little company, and um, he had some weird design. Hannah Brink was a company, and he just had a swing arm, and it was very unique. But we'd we'd look at all these companies that had stuff, and we'd take we would take their ideas, but and we tweak them to our way as well. But uh, eventually, some of those smaller guys would disappear because they couldn't keep up. You know, we were doing some massive, massive numbers. And, you know, they probably weren't doing those numbers. But there was two brothers, Red Baron, Fast 50s, BBR, of course, is probably one of the biggest names. And still, they're in business and going. Where, uh, I don't think, I think Fast 50s is the only other one that's still going. I eventually shut it down in, uh, in 2010. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Um, you know, when a company pop up, there was Joker Industries and, uh, I don't know, these companies would pop up one day and be gone later on. And I'd be like, yeah, you know, what, what are you guys thinking? You know, cause we were at the forefront of it and, uh, you know, I took it to heart cause we I put a lot of time, money and energy into it. And, uh, guys would pop up and low ball, you know, they come out with a clamp that, has flames and iron crosses on it for forty nine ninety nine, where ours is one twenty nine, and they'd sell a few and then they'd be gone, you know. And you're just like, Ugh. it was frustrating, but that's business in America, and <laughs> that's how things go. But yeah, it's uh, it was good. It was good. I got to know most of our competition on a first name basis, and like I said, I met a ton of people and. It was a, I didn't go to college, so that was kind of my, that was kind of my learning, my schooling, if you'd say, um, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, 
um, Santa was a learning thing for me. So it, uh, it was good. I, I don't regret anything. There's a lot of stuff I probably would do different and, and would change, but I don't regret any, uh, you know, anything we did. Uh, we had a pretty good run, man. It was, it was really fun as well. It was really awesome. For sure, uh, we'll, we'll get into some maybe some some fondest memories after uh, we sort of talk about um, 2010, 11, uh, maybe a little bit in 09. Obviously, uh, the economy sort of takes a a turn for the shittier side of things, uh, and of course, the first things that go are uh, the luxuries in life, the add-ons, the now for those who wanted to have their uh, their 2009. 450 they no longer were in the market to have a uh, a 50 cc mini me so to speak uh built up beside it um how much obviously was that basically the 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 catalyst to the sort of the downturn of that sort of quote-unquote fad that uh, 50 cc racing was uh went the way of the dodo bird a little bit because of just that's a uh sort of a, a fringe thing within motocross and um like, uh, well, like, was it, it, it? I think it's still kind of popular, uh, but I, I think that it was just almost kind of deemed unnecessary due to uh, financial constraints. No, you're spot on. Um, spot on. Oh, so oh, oh, 04 was our best ever year. We crushed it. Oh, 05 was pretty good. Even 03 was solid because we were just starting and, and it was going up. Oh, 06, still pretty good. Oh, 07, decent, but I'm starting to see a little uh, decline. And that's kind of like, say, when the China bikes started popping up and coming in. And 08, bam, I mean, just, um, economy crashes. Our our numbers just dropped, like, whew, straight down. And like, wow, okay, okay. But people still have these pit bikes out there. I remember a guy from Honda telling me they were selling 100,000 CRF50s uh, a year. It was their biggest motorcycle for year after year after year in the 2000s. And they were doing a hundred thousand of them. So my thought was where these bikes aren't going in the trash can. They're just in someone's garage somewhere. So this it might slow down, but it's still going to be alive because all those bikes are still out there. Somewhere. Yeah. People want replacement parts and stuff like that. Maybe people yeah, aren't building up new ones, but like current ones are still going to be needed of maintenance. Well, that was my thought, Brad. But 09, my numbers are even worse. And 2010, they're going down even more. And I tell my boys in California, I said, I all gave them all a heads up. And I said, Jimmy, you're done, man. I'm shutting her down on, on uh, December 31st. I'm moving it back to Chicago and I'm just going to put it in my garage. Really? And, uh, that must have been hard yeah, for you. It was hard. I, at, at, our high, at our peak, we had six employees. Um, most of the time, we had four. Um, wow, that's incredible really, that a, a brand this big had six employees. Yeah, Holy well, hey, BBR had 27 at their height. Yeah. Maybe it might have been more 30-something. I remember him telling me that. I was When he told me, I'm like, yeah, we're at six employees. And he's like, yeah, we're at 27, I think he said. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm not doing as good as I thought I was. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, um, Dean had eventually quit before that. He quit maybe 08. I think he saw the light before I did. Uh, we had a kid named Will Tapetti who he's on Instagram at Dagsum. 
Yeah, I uh, literally just I, I messaged him while we while we were chatting. Like he's I, I like he took one of uh, he took all the original photos. That was his first job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so his, his first ever job was at Sano. He was packaging everything that I brought in the store. He was packaging stuff for us. Yeah. And then, you know, and then he became, um, and then he started doing more and more and more. And then he really got into photography. But Will was my first ever employee, and uh, and he lasted until we he. Uh, we moved to Temecula from San Diego, and then he, he only lasted maybe another year. He was sick of driving back and forth, so he quit. And then I hired uh, Alan Van Camp, who was a freestyler in the Temecula area. Okay. And he he pretty much did what uh, what Will was doing, um, but I had to let him and Jimmy go in late oh, uh, late 2010. And I told him, I'm I'm sorry, guys. I gave him a, a good, good heads up so they could try to figure something out and get a job and. Um, I was flying out there, and dude, it was amazing because the phone used to ring, the emails would fly in, and I would go out there the last few months when I was, you know, I had already let them go, and, uh, you know, I'd be there on days and the phone didn't ring once, and the emails would not even hardly come in, and that's just in seven, eight years, dude, it Mm -hmm. just... The rise and fall. It was, and it wasn't, I don't believe it was my company or my business. I just believe the whole thing tanked and ended. Yeah, everything just dried up. Like It was like, it was the coolest thing to do. Everyone had to have it. Everyone had to have a One Industries flat bill helmet, Thor gear with Paisley on it, and a a, a pit bike, and 2010 rolled around, and uh, like, all of that, done. Sure, and so I moved it home, and, and for a year... That stuff sat in a storage container in my uh, in my yard. I got a storage container and just put it in there, and I was so bummed out that I didn't even do anything with it. It just it was locked and it sat there. And one day, you know, I, I was getting emails here and there. I need this, I need that, and I was like, yeah, you know, I was over it, dude. I was like, not into it at all. Mm-hmm. And one day, I'm like, why am I sitting on all this stuff? There's a, there's a lot of stuff here. So I started throwing it on eBay and uh, sold some stuff on eBay for sure, but. Um, yeah, like, it just, dude, it just ended. And I never, people would tell me, ah, it's just a fad, it's going to end. And I'm like, no, it's not. There's all those bikes out there. They're not just throwing them away. They're not crushing them. They're not burning to the ground. All those bikes are still out there. People still need stuff. Man, was I wrong. They stopped buying everything. Hmm. So, yeah, it, it was, uh, it sucked. But, uh you know, what do you do? You move on to the next thing. And, uh, I was a helmet rep for HJC at the time. So I was still making good money during the Santa run. It wasn't, Santa wasn't my only thing. I was, uh, I was a helmet rep in, in Illinois and Wisconsin and flying out to Cali and running Santa. And I was doing stuff for cycle news that we talked about earlier. And, uh, I was traveling to the races and, and being the you know, sidekick to Hoffmaster and eventually other guys after he retired. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, now I work for Yamaha, but that's, you know, at much after the whole, uh, the whole scene had died and ended, but, uh, great run and, uh, yeah, whatever. It's a part of my life and history. And I have a lot of stuff documented to show all that. And I will, uh, I like sharing it. I like talking about it. it sometimes I'm like, it hits me I'm like, Ugh! it's frustrating too, because of how big it was, you know what I mean? Hey, Big MX listeners, thanks for listening to this episode. 
Check out these commercials, support our sponsors, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you got to check them out. They're motocross, dedicated, and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. they got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It, it pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're going to love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. We're going to do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still going to do the thing. Just let go. Put our middle fingers up with a smile and let it roll. It's not just go out there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world. I grew up in Newhall. That was 805. I got into this can. I said, that is a badass fucking can. The beer's even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun, and kill it. Fast house is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there, throw down. I do it my way, and it's all that matters. 
easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her and I'm got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being the winner. That mentality of the 60s, 70s, that's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. I don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point and kind of realizing let's just have fun. That's what my old man did, and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert and feel free. 90% of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted. Just an ice cold beer, just nothing sounds better than that. This fast house crew is gonna break the mold how it used to be, and maybe even then some. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateers racing program throughout the day i'm talking pre-race strategy filming practice session sessions talking about the racetrack meeting the riders getting cool swag getting to hang out with guys like dave drakes getting to hang out with guys like me at the track it's an awesome program and the money goes right back to the privateers you're actually supporting their racing program and you get a really cool experience check it out google the collective experience First thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience, a proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Hey guys, this is Johnny Louch from the W Training Facility, powered by Crosley. Head over to Matera and enter Team W and get 15% off. The product's amazing. You'll love it. And uh, thanks to the support of Big MX Radio Broadcasts. Love being on the show and talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. You guys were, were crushing it. I think it, it's it's sort of, it's it's entangled in that great era with, the like the the great champions that we had the rise of uh ricky carmichael james stewart chad reed all of those fantastic racers from the mid 2000s that whole vibe where like everyone was seemingly getting seemingly getting paid and rider contracts were as high as they ever were uh ryan villapoto coming in at the at the through the 250s and being so dominant and and those championships and the like the everyone had an energy drink sponsor and there was a million different energy drinks in the like out there period i think we talked about that uh like just just sort of randomly this afternoon on our conversation where it seemed like everybody had a uh, an energy drink unbound uh you yeah. name it buku energy drink uh that they 
There are so many. I think honestly, we could probably do like a, a who could name the most amount of energy drinks, and we'd go on for thirty minutes. Totally, totally. So while okay, going back on that subject, you were naming a lot of names. So I got I got several stories for guys that you named there. Go um, for it. So so we built a bike for Reed, and he let lived next door to Nathan, Nathan Ramsey. Then they built a track uh, in Reed's backyard, but it kind of. It also went over the wall into Nathan's, just a corner, like went over the wall into Nathan's. So I had both of those guys. Um, and uh, on that subject, staying on, staying on Ramsey, I had Ramsey for a long, long time. And one day he calls me and goes, Dave, I want to ask you something. I go, okay, yeah, shoot, what's up? He goes, this, this pit bike company called me and they want to pay me like $25,000 a year to be their guy. And I just wanted to run it by you. What do you think? What have you ever heard of these guys? I think it was SSR and that was early, early years. Don't quote mm -hmm. me on that, but I think so. I, I kind of got, uh, chuckled and I go, Nate, take their $25,000, be their guy. And when they don't pay you or they don't keep up with their uh, promises, Call me back, and I got your back. You can, you'll be back on the saddle brand. So I didn't hear from him for a few months. You know, I'd see him at the races because I was really covering a lot of races back then. Yeah, and, of course. You were uh, in cycle news. Yeah, and we were friendly, but I, we didn't really talk about anything. Pit bike. Well, I was like eight, nine. I don't think it was even a year later. Phone rings, Nathan Ramsey. I go, hey, what's up? He goes, uh, can I get some saddle stuff for my bike again? I go, yeah, of course. I go, but first, I want to know what happened. Yeah, goes, I, now I need to know the story. <laughs> exactly. He goes, dude, they never paid me a penny. I got a bike and I broke it the first day. I'm over it. And I go, what did I tell you? He goes, dude, I know you told me. Da, 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 da. So that was that one sticks in my mind. That was one of the better ones. But uh, yeah, we did. Uh, who did I have? So I had we had Langston and we did an orange bike for him because he was on KTM at the time. So we did an orange CRF 50 and We'd get everything anodized, orange, the clamps off for the for the uh, forks. The uh, dress-up kit was orange. The seat cover was orange. We made special orange graphics for them. But then people would come to us and go, dude, we want those orange graphics. So next thing you know, I got a full rainbow of colors of graphics in our shop, and we couldn't hang on to a single pair of them. They all flew out the door. Orange, white, blue, red, green we did even. Um, yellow. Pink. Pink was hot. So we had Carrie Hart at the time, and uh, Rob Bytus threw on a pit bike race at A1, and Pink was riding around um, one of the bikes in the parking lot at A1, and we made some pink graphics for her. And the next thing you know, people are calling and go, hey, we want, uh, we want pink graphics. And pink became one of our most popular colors of all time. Um, so we were the first to do the pink graphics. And, uh, we put Carrie on one of our uh, covers for our magazines. Ken drove up to uh, to Vegas, and they did a photo shoot one day with, uh, with Carrie and some Sano stuff. And he's on. Uh, he's in a. He's. I think it was our old six zero seven catalog. He's all over that thing, and he was a good spokesman for us for a long time. And um, I had every privateer because I was always friends with all the privateers and. Freestylers started calling us uh, because we had some top freestyler guys. So pretty much, I shouldn't say pretty much everyone, but we had a 
good, good portion of the AMA Supercross main event. Uh, as a Sano guy, we had a ton of freestylers um, as Sano guys, and I just think that uh, having their uh, our logo on their helmets and them wearing our T-shirts. I had Mason. I had Biton. Biton was a good one for us. He rode uh, a long time yeah. for us and raced mini moto a lot, and we became really good friends uh, because of that. We're still tight to this day. Um, you know, Mason ran our uh, stickers in X Games on his front number plate. And that, that was huge. Um, I know I'm missing somebody. I wish I had my computer in front of me or some of those catalogs because there's just guy after guy after guy. Um, Pavolny, uh, my buddy Hoffmaster, uh, Jeff Gibson, uh, Willie Browning. So Willie was <laughs> Willie Browning was a hot, hot uh, pit bike guy. He was sponsored by CHP, which was down in uh, Texas, Classic right. Honda Park. Yeah, but he would call me because we were friends just from the races. He would call me to buy parts, Sano parts for just his little backyard bike that he would race in backyard back in Ohio, even though classic Honda and Lyle was sponsoring him for his race bike. Willie was buying piano parts under the, <laughs> under the table for me for his personal bike. And then he got Gibson involved. And then a guy named Joel Olaf, who was a privateer and dude, it just spread like wildfire. Everyone wanted Sano one way or another. Um, I was sitting in the office in Cali one day and, um, Todd Potter walks in and goes, I need some this and I need some that. And I'm like, all right, but I want a jersey. And one day Twitch walks in and he has, he's holding a Fox shock. You remember those Fox air shocks? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he he was jumping and he bent one. And he's, he's holding this bent Fox shock. I think I still have it, actually, because I was blown away how he bent it. I called Fox and I go, yeah, I got this bent Fox shock. And they're like, we don't have we don't even make shocks like that. And I go, no, 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 the air shock. And they're like, you have a bent one? What? What are you talking about? They had never seen one bent before, but Twitch had one. He, he I don't even remember what he did, but he bent the Fox shock. So I got it. They, they give him a new one. And uh, I showed Fox and they were just blown away how this thing was bent sideways. They couldn't even believe it because they had never seen it before. So, um, you know, I just, like I said, I'd be sitting in the office and some big name, you know, and I was kind of, back then I was, you know, almost starstruck by a pro guy and a, a freestyle, a top guy. We had Metzger. We had uh, Metzger actually was rode for us for quite a while. Um, and he had a, a New Year's party one year, and I took the Sano rig up there. and We played some videos on the side of the Sano box van for New Year's. And, <laughs> oh, man, I know I'm rambling and just going every direction, but, dude, it was just <laughs> so fun. And uh, with the people I met and the um, – in the, in the times that we had, we were uh, we would throw after parties at uh, um, after Mini Moto in Vegas on Friday night, um, and everyone who was anyone wanted to go to the after parties, and they'd hit me up, "Oh, we need passes! I want to go to the after party!" And it was just a rock star time of my life, man. It just you know, I had some hair back then. I was flowing my hair and uh, just bouncing around and flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt and just loving every minute of it it was awesome dude it was really really cool absolutely and a an iconic brand and an iconic uh time period for uh motocross and i feel like uh those who 
uh, were around motocross in that time or find these stories as meandering as they might be sometimes uh, pretty cool. It's cool to kind of get the, the, the facts in behind it all. It's a real, reality that uh, a brand that uh, was, was huge up here, it was huge nationwide, as well as in in, uh, in Europe and stuff like that, was being yeah. ran by six yeah. freaking people, which kind of blows my mind. Uh, is the what what six people are capable of? It's pretty fantastic, and uh, yeah, I'm glad you were able to uh, kind of share the story with us a little bit, my friend. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. On that on that last subject, um, we had a distributor in Australia. We had a distributor in Canada, which is Keith at uh, Fat MX. I'm sure you know him. Yep. Um, yeah, I do. So he did. A- he did a great job in Canada for us. Uh, I had a guy in Belgium. I had a guy in Spain. Um, who so all these distributors would bring our stuff in and then uh, you know and distribute it throughout their regions, and that was a big, big part of uh, getting the brand worldwide. Um, Australia was probably probably the biggest. I I got the most inquiries from Australia still to this day, even on my on my uh, eBay. I'm still selling a few things on eBay. Um, if people want to look up uh, sandal parts on eBay, but um, I get a lot of stuff from um, Australia. Hey, will you ship to Australia? I live in Australia. It's pretty big. I think it's still pretty happening down there. I know it's uh, not happening here. It's not much in Europe either. There was a lot of magazines too that we didn't talk about. Uh, at one time, there was uh, Pit Racer. There was Mini Moto. There was Mini MX magazine. Um, what else was there? There were several different magazines at one time. Um, websites, Planet Minis was huge. There's a bunch of different websites, and man, you can't even find hardly any of it anymore. It's all, it's all gone. It's, it's all dried up. It is, dude. I just don't. Still to this day, it's really seven, eight year, nine years, I guess now since I really closed the doors. Even though I kind of sold some stuff you know, eBay, but, uh, it's, uh, it's still, when I talk about it, it still blows me away and it's all done and over with. I just, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to believe, you know? For sure. And I think for uh, certain times, it's sort of like, uh, you see like remnants of it kind of flicker a little bit or they'll, they'll like some people, someone will build one up and it'll be kind of cool. Uh, or yep. you'll see like a, a, a factory pro basically build like a, like I said, a little mini me of their uh, their factory bike, but not nearly at the same level of the the craze that uh, swept through the uh, the two thousands. But uh, it was a pretty cool time period. And uh, unfortunately, I never had a, a a fast fifty or a sandal fifty or any type of thing like that. I was wasn't uh, w- wasn't like fortunate to have that. But uh, I was always wanted one, and at some point, likely will uh, maybe. Uh, uh, maybe hit you up on on eBay and 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 finally build one up or something like that because uh, well, it's a it's a cool piece that. of uh, piece of history. Yeah, there's not that much. I don't have that much left, dude. The stuff I have is like the you know replacement parts and uh, you know the, it's there's really nothing to build. I have a few handlebar clamps left, but I don't have bars. I don't have throttles. Or, oh, that's good. So you got any. rid of that stuff though. Yeah, yeah, it's good, but. Uh, you know, and I'll get a message. Uh, I got one the other day from one of my buddies in Texas. Hey, pit bikes are coming back. You know, dude, I hear that once a week. They're coming <laughs> back. You should get Sano going again. I'm like, no, you should buy Sano, and you should get it going again because yeah. I'm done with it. I'm done with it, yeah. <laughs> well, I got That's that funny. a lot. You should, 
bring it back. It's coming back. But um, uh, thing Mini Me Bikes, you remember I did one, uh, we did one for Nick Way when he was on MDK. He had yep. a white Honda. We did, we did a white KLX for him. That was one of my oh, yeah. favorite builds. Those are good. Um, those are fun. Yeah. They put it under the tent next to his bike, and people were like, dude, you want those MDK graphics? And we, oh, my God, and da, da, da. We did one for Nate Ramsey when he was on uh, KTM, when he was winning main events back there. And, uh, it was probably on a 250F. Yeah, that's when he he, he introduced the two, the, the the Yamaha 250F he did the, the development for. Then he, he yeah. developed the, the Honda for the 250F. And then he developed the KTM for 250F. For, like, sure. for literally like a six-year span, if you wanted someone yep. to come in and develop your 250F, it was Nathan Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, I built it. We built him a blue KLX. We built him a orange CRF 50. Um, I don't know if we ever did. Uh, I don't think I did any Honda form. I don't recall that. He was but, a factory uh, Honda guy, so I'm not too sure if that would have been. He won one main event. That, uh, the one where Ricky looped out over the back of his bike is the one main event. I think it might have been Detroit, I think. But uh, yes. Nathan won one, one main event in his uh, in his. In his history so yeah that's the one where everyone falls that's the like uh i'm pretty sure uh chad laid it down uh timmy falls in the whoops yeah yeah might have been was, dallas i think was it something like that done it's either detroit or indy i want to say maybe yeah uh, i was at almost every indy so was, i don't think it was indy but uh Fair enough. what it doesn't even matter at all but yeah. uh, he's got one his name but yeah like it's just I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love to have my stuff in front of me and tell you who we built uh, bikes for. And yeah, oh, uh, oh, here's the biggest one. I know you're almost done in this. We could shut her down. But uh, Tony Stewart, we built five uh, CR50s for Tony Stewart when during the height of his NASCAR run. Um, the drummer. Oh, uh, yeah, it was huge, dude. I got that photo. Maybe I'll. It's on that Instagram, but maybe I'll throw it up again. Yeah, yeah. Um, he Send bought. It over. He bought. He was dating one of the chicks at Motor World, the Bel Cajon, and he bought uh, five. It might have been six. Is it five or six CR50s? And uh, he called us and he goes, "I want these all identical." So we built. Um, it was for his buddies, his NASCAR buddies, to race and bang each other, smash into each other. It was in his backyard back in wherever he lived. I think Indiana or something like that. So um, did that. Built uh, one for a drummer of Social Distortion. Um, you know, it was more than just moto people. It was, uh, you know, a couple actors here and there and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, music guys and, uh, it just kept going and going and going. That's why, and that was part of my reason why I didn't think it would ever end. You know, I'm like, this, this craze is just taking off every which way, not just motorcycle, you know, fanatics. It was going everywhere. So I kind of thought another reason that I thought it would go longer, you know, so. I don't know. I, I thank you, Brad. Is awesome. Uh, yeah. Bring, no, this has bring, been awesome. This has been lots of fun. Yeah, bringing up a lot of memories here, and uh, it's cool. It's cool for sure. I like it, my friend. Uh, before I let you go, of course, nowadays uh, deeply involved with the Blue Crew. You're you work with uh, with Yamaha, and uh, after what probably the most successful night for Yamaha in Supercross in a long time. Uh, both yeah. Colt Nichols and uh, Justin Barsha. I'm not letting you get off the phone without at least weighing in on uh, basically two of at least, I'd say two of your main guys coming in through the clutch. 
what a night. What a night with Colt one, two, with Ferranda second. Um, Barsha winning 450, and Plessinger even with a great rookie ride there, too. So, yeah, it was a fun night. You know what kind of stunk was it was raining even harder. I don't know if you were just watching on TV, but it started raining even harder after it ended. Yeah, that so, was probably the worst. The party in the pits was minimal to none because everyone was either in the rig or they left because it was raining so bad. So, um, I, you know, I went over to the, both of the rigs and congratulated some guys and, you know, but that was about it. It was no, uh, burnout fest like you see at Vegas every year or, uh, or anything like that. Like you usually see with fans and media surrounding the rigs because it was pouring after the show was done. So, uh, so the party at the, uh, you know, for the Yamaha people at the stadium was minimal to none. So, uh, but yeah, great night. Um, great night. It was awesome. And, uh, I just watched it on TV last night cause I, I went to Anaheim obviously. So, uh, yeah. it was cool, but I watched it on TV and kind of just wanted to play it back and see how that went on the new NBC deal and all that stuff. So yeah, what were your cool, thoughts man. on the new broadcast? I got I, I'm curious. Um, decent. Um, for sure, it was good. Uh, As an announcer, I thought I'm sure you always have your critiques. So you, I'm not asking you to throw anyone under the bus. But what, what were your thoughts? Sure. No, you know, uh, Daniel's a really good friend of mine. I thought he crushed it. I really thought Daniel did well. Um, Ralph, I don't have a problem with Ralph. A lot of people talk crap on Ralph, and a lot of people said they wanted Emig back, and. I'll be, you know, my thing was, Emig had a good run, dude. He had a good run, and you oh, know, yeah. time for a change. It was, I thought it was you fresh know, blood. I didn't think we had uh, fresh blood. We had exactly. Denny Stevenson in there for a very short bit. We had yeah. um, Floyd Cameron Steele yeah. for a long bit. Robbie Floyd, Cameron. Yep, yep. Uh, that other guy, Todd Harris, did it for Todd a little Harris. bit. Todd so, Harris. Um, uh, they said Rick. I was actually a little surprised, and uh, yeah, pleasantly surprised. Piece. I think he did all right. Yeah, he did. Compared okay. to like how much backlash he was getting on Twitter about how bad he was going uh -oh. to be, it went well. No, and he'll he'll get he'll loosen up too. And I think mm -hmm. as that show went on, he did loosen up. So I think he'll be fine. I remember. I mean, he was doing arena cross a few years ago, kind of helping out as well. And he's yeah. he's pretty decent. He's not bad. Okay. My my okay, uh, my only like. My only critique, and I'm sure it like uh, this is one thing that stuck out for me, was during the the 450 LCQ when he mentions uh, the 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 change in the lap times in comparison to the heat races. Uh, to which I said I was thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, yeah Ricky, even in the or even in the dry, there's a, usually a big difference in the lap times between the heat races and the and the <laughs> LCQ, but. Right. <laughs> right. I won't fault him too much. I'm sure he did mean strictly, strictly the fact that it was now teeming down rain, and that was was uh, the biggest uh, the biggest issue. But I, I thought that was pretty funny. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was. I thought it was decent. That uh, people complain about the black uh, the bar on the side with all the numbers and oh, that could be, I, I like. I look at that all the time because I'm always watching battles that they're not showing. Yeah, like yeah, without that true, bar, true. you would have had no idea that uh, Jess Pettis and uh, Cameron McAdoo probably had a battle for the ages because every time I looked at that, that thing, those names were flipped. Sure, true, true. But I kind of liked when Fox had it either on the bottom or the top. It's just a ticker? The yeah, ticker the across ticker. the top? 
kind of like that myself. But mm-hmm. um, and the, like the music, you know, the, the opening. They didn't, you know, how Fox kind of has that 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 uh, that powerful music at the beginning. This yeah. music was a little cheesy, little bit, I thought. But uh, yeah, a little cheesier. I I, I think see, you're right. Uh, still not a fan of makeup to mud, but whatever. Right, I know. We're, yeah, you and I aren't going to make a difference on uh, on that changing. So, but, you know, they're looking for, they're looking to get different people involved, and I understand that. And uh, they want to get women, and they're just trying to find different avenues to get people, you know, into Supercross or the sport. So it's I understand what they're doing. Um, yeah, it's it's a good thing. Um, heading to Glendale on uh, Friday, and looking forward to that, and uh, a dry track, and we'll see what uh, see if our guys can stay up there or if, uh, if these other guys are going to jump on it. Either way, it's going to be a good season. If you look at the, you look at the players, man, I mean, with Eli, you know, Jason, I'm not counting Jason out at all. You know, he had a bad night, but Anderson's going to be in there and you're crazy if you don't think he's going to be up there. Um, Justin, obviously Roxon's going to be in the mix. Um, some of these new rookies, I think Hill, you know, I think Savachi, all even Aaron might have a good one, but uh, there's gonna be guys. Um, it's gonna be good, dude. It's gonna be a good year, really good year. Again, where am I gonna see you at there, Bradley? Uh, I believe the first race that you'll see me at is Minneapolis, Minnesota, which will be round six. Uh, yep, I'll, I'll sure. come down for that, and uh, we'll likely have uh, have dinner uh, at some point. I, I think we need to catch up. Haven't seen you in a little while. Um, yeah, that'll that'll be awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to this this weekend to see uh, a much better performance uh, and just riding to their I don't know, sort of expectations, but just where where they I feel like they 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 should be or they they definitely the program suggests is uh, the um, uh, Rockwell Yamaha first, uh, but they switched to Yamaha this year um, and they had some issues with the bike, but uh, prior to that, leading the uh, the two fifty the first 250 heat race, so uh, Mitchell Harrison, uh, an addition onto that team, and uh, I think there's some, some good things to come for that team. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm helping them out a little bit, and uh, I, was with them, I was with them in the pits most of the day and uh, had a really good time. Um, and then he, he jammed out there in the, uh, in that second heat and led it. And then, uh, he was in the mix, even in the LCQ started the, a little farther back and got up into that qualifying. And again, uh, we had some clutch problems, man. And, uh, not good, not good, but they're, they're dialing that in and, uh, doing some testing this week and getting them rolling. But yeah, uh, we, once we get him back on track and the bike all dialed, he could, uh, he could do something, I think, and they gave him a lot of TV time. I was actually kind of surprised on that. And uh, oh yeah, like they got I he got, got more TV time than a lot of privateers or even a it, lot of uh, uh, factory supported guys. Like more yeah. people know that uh, Mitchell Harrison raced uh, this last weekend over uh, a couple of your like. Uh, I don't think Michael Mosman was featured on TV at all. Right, exactly. It's true, and uh, we got we had a pretty good presence in the pit. I got a lot of compliments on our. Our picture, oh, you guys the jacket, good. our image, the bike. Everyone's like, dude, that bike looks sick. And I actually told Ryan when he first shot it to me, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Tweak this, tweak that. But, uh, yeah, we got a ton of compliments. Our pits were just jamming all weekend. They do their uh, their stuff where if you buy a watch online, you can pick it up at the race. And, uh, you know, they have some hats and stuff like that. So our, our pits are always rocking. And, 
it was cool. We had a really good time this weekend, and uh, Phoenix will be probably as good, if not better. So if you're uh, in the area, swing by the Rockwell uh, pits, and I will uh, I will be there. Say hi. Say hi, and uh, like the best time to always roll by is around 3.30. That's when they bring out the food, and I don't think they've ever chased anybody out <laughs> from underneath there. Um, that is quietly and very – they're like, like sneakily one of the best places to grab somebody to eat at, uh, at, the, at the pits. So uh, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure their, their team manager loves that I tell people to go eat there, but uh, reality is, is it's too damn good to pass up. No, we had a full, full uh, table full of uh, of uh, people eating. We had pasta this weekend. We had a salad. We had uh, licorice. We had cookies. Um, we're sponsored by a drink called Rhino Rush. So, uh, so we were giving those out. Um, you could only obviously drink those in our under our canopy. You can't take them out and walk around with them. But uh, right, uh, we got water there if you just need a water. So. Yeah, it's a good place. Swing by. Um, ask for Dave. I'm I'm usually there most of the day. Otherwise, just uh, have a seat and check out some watches, dude. Their their line of watches is amazing. They got some awesome watches. I'm not a watch guy myself, but uh, if you're into watches at all, definitely swing by Rockwell and just check them out. There, people just sit there and stare at the watches all day long. It's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, they do absolutely. Dave Derringer here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. It's been a pleasure, my friend. It's been too, it's been a long time coming, and I'm glad we were able to capture something with you. Let's do this again sometime soon. Um, thank you for for regaling us with all these amazing stories of uh, Sano Systems and just taking us down memory lane. Uh, yeah, you've definitely earned to be a repeat offender on this podcast, and uh, I appreciate the time. No problem, dude. Thank you so much. And I know we've talked about it in the past, but uh, yeah, the timing worked out perfect. And that's the first uh, podcast I've ever done on Sano. So uh, there you go. Hopefully, uh, yeah, it gets out there. I'll share it on all my uh, on my socials, and uh, hopefully, some like pit bike guys can can get in there and listen to that, and uh, you know, um, help them with some memories and, and stuff like that. Hopefully, I didn't piss anyone off, but. <laughs> Either way, hey, I appreciate it, Brad. Thank you much, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, but I'll see you in Minnesota. Absolutely. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast's sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Maxima USA, proven under the toughest conditions. The Collective Experience. Access your dreams at thecollectivexp.com. Sickwix candles, soy candles, and wax melts for moto fans like you. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Find out more at medterracbd.com. And of course, FMF Racing, 46 years of mixing gas and hauling ass.